you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Darnell Samuels and Joel Nikoloff. What up, brother? We're back. We're keeping it going. Yes, yes. All right. So, what's new, man? Well, if the listeners have already heard episode 38, it might sound like we took a little time to release that since I was referencing, you know, recording in May. Well, I just had a kid last week or on Sunday. Sunday okay, morning. Nice. Had Father's my Day. Se- yeah, Father's Day gift. Baby wow. girl. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, thanks, man. It was a, it was a great Father's Day gift. So um, that's what kind of made us take a little longer than intended to start this season yeah, po- coming reason, out. But, yeah. but you know, I hope uh, the listeners can give me a little grace because family kind of takes priority. Of course, of course, of course. And we want to be consistent. We want to be dropping an episode every week now for, for the foreseeable future. So um, we kind of had to take a... A step back until that kid popped yeah, up. Yeah, and then and then and then we also had a, a birth of a championship in the country. Yeah, for the Toronto Raptors. I, I was off this. I'm off this week, so it, it works out great. I got to watch the whole thing on home at home. I put it on the PVR and kept skipping all the commercials. It was great. <laughs> yeah, no, um, man, you know, for our U.S. listeners, man, you guys don't know how important. I, I basically summarize it like this: We needed that championship more than Golden State did. Uh, just for the country in regards to it was just huge, man. It was the energy was just off the charts in the city. It was one of those, um, you know, moments. The, the, one of those moments that you'll never forget, and and it'll be doc. It'll definitely be documented in our textbooks uh, until Christ returns. Like Yo, it's, it, it was just that big and that important for us uh, for the Raptors. I, I'm really interested. I mean, obviously, this is a little bit speculative. If the Leafs are to win in the next five years, which is a potential. Well, well, hold on. Well, technically, <laughs> hold on. Technically, um, it's twenty six years. So the last time we had a championship here was twenty six years ago by the Blue Jays, and before yeah. that was twenty six years ago by the Maple Leafs. Oh so, wow! So, yeah. So, so we got to wait another twenty six years, yeah, bro. For the, for the, <laughs> what's for what the you talking Leafs. about, man? It's a good thing we don't believe in luck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so what I was gonna say was it'll be really interesting to evaluate whether or not. This is bigger for Canadians and Toronto than the Leafs winning, because of, and and if the Leafs are able to win in the next like four to five years, it'll really give a good ability to proximate, like to compare and contrast. Like, mm-hmm. you know the the beauty of the Raptors is they're Canada's team, right? You yes. Know? So, yes. I mean, we got seven Canadian teams. I hope I didn't butcher that. In, yeah. in, 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 in the, the NHL? NHL, right? Oh, so, wow. so you know. Vancouver doesn't it's like... It's not cheering. Vancouver's I not mean, cheering. Montreal's Tor- not cheering. Toronto travels well. Like, the Leafs travel... Like, I mean, Toronto's the hockey mecca of the world. Right. Let's get serious, right? Yeah. So that's where it becomes this really interesting contrast to say, you know, we've got Canada's game, Canada, you know, the the hockey mecca of the world being mm-hmm. Toronto. Right. Let's contrast that with the Raptors winning. Because mm-hmm. this celebration was insane, yes. bro. Yes, like, I don't know, man, just looking at the pictures of like sea of people, yes. like walking with the parade, the parade yeah. took like 
I think it took them five and a half hours almost. Yeah. And and that was three hours later. They expected to be at City Hall for 12.30, and I think they got yeah, there because, at 2.30. Yeah, because they didn't expect that much people to be there in the barricade, so the police had to like kind of well, make a they, way for them. They couldn't even get out of the like start of the parade because right. it was so so many people. Yeah. Um. So like all the floats, I mean, they're not really floats, but all the, you know, travel the vehicles getting mm. out and starting the parade was like an hour delayed alone yeah yeah um so no, yeah that, it that was epic was so charts. last thing i want to know your perspective as you were watching the the playoffs you know where was your head at with respect to you know series and then very simple yep i didn't see them winning the championship i i saw them losing to milwaukee um and yeah i i, I didn't i didn't see i didn't see it but when they got to the finals with Golden State, I, I was convinced when they were up three one, and they and they definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah I was easy. until they were one game away. I didn't believe in them. Yeah, you know what you're selling me, bro. Yeah, no. Um, you know, again, just from a basketball standpoint, um, they they really just gritted, just grit. Uh, and you know, and and I love the way they won with one superstar and not three, and so, yeah. So yeah, it, it caught. I I wasn't. You know, I was I was skeptical just from a basketball X's and O's standpoint. Uh, although they were the number one team in the East, they, you know, sometimes I guess you get caught up in the star power. But again, uh, I, if I can summarize it like this for the listeners, uh, I went to the bar. I went. I was at Joey's watching it, the game one, and I watched basketball my whole life. And the first time ever, I was in an environment where they cheered after every point. Like you know, you know, hockey, you know, you cheer after every point. Soccer, you cheer after every point. Baseball, you cheer. Basketball, you don't cheer because it's a long game and it goes back and oh, forth. Yeah, yeah. But every time they scored, whether they were down or they're up, the bar erupted, and I said, "Okay, wait a minute, this is different." So that's how I knew, you know, it, it, this was going to be something special. Yeah, I, I, I would say I had a little more faith than you. I think I expected the Milwaukee series to be the toughest, um, but you know that team was too young. Um, yes. And so I, I would have been more shocked if they had lost to Milwaukee than if they then, you know, than them winning, um, you know, granted things can happen. And, you know, if it got went to game six or game seven, I would I would have been I don't want to say satisfied, but I would have been like, OK, you know, it's it's understandable. But because they're so young, I was like, no, they're getting through um, when it came time, you know, for the finals. I don't know. My, my attitude was. If Durant doesn't come back, we're good. Like, uh, and and I was, I don't want to say I was going on experts' opinion, but in essence, my attitude was, no Durant, Raptors win. With Durant, oh man, it's going to be real tough, yeah. if if not impossible. And that one game he came back, like, that's the game we lost, game five, right? Like, I look at it like the, the lead he gave them early was un- unsurmountable, mm-hmm. even though he only played, what, like a quarter and a bit, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, but yeah, so huge Raps fans, obviously. I mean, if you're a Canadian and you're not a Raps fan, you're a loser. Because, well, I was going to say that means you don't jump on bandwagons. And you're a loser. <laughs> and you don't, you, you don't get a cut out of this championship. That's, that's what, that's exactly what it is. But to be honest, there's an aspect that it still feels surreal. Cause I mean, I, I was unreal. Yeah, for sure. Like I was, I was a Raptors fan because I worked at the Air Canada Center for years. Like mm-hmm. I watched that Carter era. Like all of it, you know, the all-star game was in Toronto, you know, T-Mac leaving. Like I was working there watching games all the time. And that's how I became a, a, a basketball fan was mm-hmm. like, 
I'm working there and you're just at the excitement of a, you know, they became a competitive team mm-hmm. in that era. Sure, like yeah, I worked yeah. there from 99 to 06. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. That, that said, I mean, we, we've essentially almost got a, a mini episode we could release, but this is really an intro to, uh, to a pretty heavy interview. Uh, a good, f- good friend of both of ours. Uh, we've had him on the show and I mean, last time he was on the show, it's, it's really our, our best show so far. Um, in terms of download numbers. And so, you know, we interviewed Sam Say, Samuel Say, slowtowrite.com. And we kind of had a more focused interview this time around. One about pro-life and his work in the pro-life movement. And in light of what's going on in the U.S. and Alabama and the new uh, abortion, anti-abortion laws and how it compares to Canada. So uh, Sam did a very good job of answering a lot of difficult questions and also uh you know tying up the loose ends in regards to the political landscape between canada and the u.s and abortion laws Uh, so it was a really good interview and y'all should check it out okay sam so for some of us who know you we know you as a blogger um, but you're also you also do a lot of work in the pro-life movement for those who don't know you and your work in the pro-life movement why don't you you know Give us the background on what you do and who you are. Yeah. Um, last time I was here, uh, I, th- I think I told you guys that I was an intern um, for the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Um, since then, um, I think it was in February, um, I came on staff. Um, and I'm now the community liaison at CCBR. So I was, I've been fundraising since February, fundraising for my salary. Um, but it was about a month ago that I started working uh, part-time there, and um, hope, I'm hoping that my fundraising will finish soon so that I can start working uh, full-time. Nice. So what does your part-time job look like outside of the fundraising aspect? Hmm. Um, well, it definitely, uh, yeah, it... it it absolutely um, requires a lot of studying in the pro-life movement. I'm still a rookie, um, and <laughs> just studying uh, Canadian law and uh, studying all the pro-life arguments, um, all the pro-choice arguments, and just becoming more uh, familiar with um, how to go about with my role. So I've been reading a lot of books um, and just uh, studying and yeah, also, I'm still doing some, some of what I was doing in the internship. Um, just last week, I was at a school, um, at a public area at the school, and just talking to students about abortion and trying to change their minds on it. And by the grace of God, I spoke to 10 people, but six of them were, um, be- yeah, sorry, no, four, no, no, I'm wrong. Six became pro-life. Wow. Yeah. Were they, and so of the, you're saying 10 were originally pro-choice? and. Yeah, six. Yeah, they changed became, their opinion. Yeah, and they thanked me, and they were very sincere in that, and they told me that they're going to go back and try to convince their other friends to become pro-life too. So, yeah. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what draws you into it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I quite enjoy it, and um, I forgot to. I've done a few speeches too. Um, last month, I was part of the uh, the very first March for Life in Toronto. Um, that was uh, that was quite a special uh, event. I was very proud and honored to be part of that. I've uh, spoken at other churches too and other um, events, uh, just trying to um, help push the pro-life movement forward. So, 
Okay. I've been doing. So, oh yeah, so it was at Queens Park, was it? Uh, yeah. And yeah. and then sorry, did you gave a, a speech or something? Yeah, it was um, a short five minute speech on, um, basically a story of a friend of mine who, um, came to me and crying for help basically, but I didn't know that she was actually crying for help. Um, she had an unplanned pregnancy and she came to me and said. Sam, what would you say to a girl considering an abortion? And I didn't think she was being serious. I thought it was just a random uh, question. So I said, I don't know. And uh, soon afterwards, she ended up um, getting an abortion uh, within the same week. So um, I explained that in the uh, speech. And then I also mentioned that last summer at the internship, um, I was able to change 73 uh, people who were originally... um, uh, pro-choice, I uh, was able to convince them to become pro-life. So that was the the main part of my speech. Okay, wow. So so that's what you do. You uh, change minds. Yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, just like a like an evangelist for pro-life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Okay. Okay. So so would you say that most of your research then is, or or I guess would how would you bifurcate your research into categories i mean it sounds like some of it would be argumentative tactics you know um, apologetics yeah but also you know when you're talking about the law that sounds more um you know whether it's writing a memo or or you know documentation type stuff so i don't know just some of the stuff you were talking about with respect to your research and Mm. and things that you do it sounds like there's multi-purposes so yeah yeah uh, for sure primarily uh, i'm studying so many different things uh, right now man i'm studying um, yes, you know, all the apologetic side of the pro-life movement. I'm studying the history too, particularly Canadian history. Um, uh, and then, you know, with what happened in Alabama, for example, I looked into that because it's always good to just be aware of the pro-life movement. Right, right. And, and, and that's beginning a lot of traction and attention, a lot of celebrities speaking out about it. For those, for our audience who um, who's not familiar with what's been going on in Alabama and the implications of the law that just passed, uh, can you expound on that a bit? Yeah, um, I believe that the bill was passed, uh, a new bill in Alabama was passed, um, I think it was sometime last month, and it was, um, it's, it basically uh, restricts abortion, um, except for just two cases, um, with just two exceptions, uh, being um, that abortions... Um, can be legal except for if it's a serious physical health to the mother and if the baby has a lethal anomaly uh, or if the baby Sorry, will well, die sorry what's a, a lethal ano- anomaly? Basically, um, it's, it's a fatal illness or a fatal disease that will um, kill the baby soon after the baby is born. So before that bill, Alabama had, um, it was legal to have an abortion up to 20 weeks um, before the baby, so up to 20 weeks um in the, in the pregnancy, but the bill now makes it um, illegal at any point um, of pregnancy, except for those two cases I just mentioned. Oh, wow. Okay, so would you say that this is a victory for pro-life movement? Um, it's, it's, it's uh, yes and no. Um, it's not a victory because ultimately um, we don't agree with exceptions, right? Um, the bill rightly says that um, they quote the American um, Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. um, where it says that all life, you know, are created equal. Uh, all man is created equal. Um, but yet, it essentially says that 
if you're going to die soon after you're, you're born, then you're not created equal. Or if you are a health risk to your mom, then you're not created equal. So then it's not really a victory because we believe that every single baby, um, every single person deserves human rights, deserves a right to live. Um, but it's obviously better than the last bill. And we're hoping that um, you know, once it's, it's taken into effect in November, um, then um, perhaps in the future there could be another law um, that will make it better. And really, honestly, the bill is really intended to challenge Roe v. Wade. Um, the sponsor of the bill, his name is uh, Terry Collins, he said that the bill is about challenging Roe v. Wade and protecting the lives of the unborn because an unborn baby is a person who deserves and uh, who deserves love and attention. Um, the bill is challenging Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade really, and his follow-up is really um, intent, it's, it's a vague, um, it's a vague federal law, but really it just says that state laws cannot prevent abortions when the preborn baby is not viable. Um, you know, which means that if, when the baby is not able to survive outside of, of the womb, um, Right now, the bill is set to take in effect in November, as I said, but if a judge in Alabama challenges um, the bill, claiming that it contradicts Roe v. Wade, it will it will possibly be, um, it will probably force the Supreme Court to review it, and that's the intention. That's what the pro-life movement wants, but a lot of pro-choice people actually don't want that to happen because okay. they're concerned that now that uh, Trump has nominated two um, seemingly um, pro-life Supreme Court uh, judges. There, it means that there's now apparently a five-four majority um, in the Supreme Court. In the Supreme Court, so uh, some pro-choice people are concerned that if if a, a judge forces the Supreme Court to take it, it might actually mm -hmm. end up um, um, leading to um, the Supreme Court getting rid of Roe v. Wade and overturning it. Whoa! Yeah. So that's, that's and that's really again the intention of the bill, right? And there's been ten other uh, bills in the states, uh, including Georgia and Ohio. One of the uh, is it Georgia is the heartbeat bill? Is yes, the, yeah. yeah, Ohio as well too. Um, most of the other bills aren't quite as strong as the Alabama bill, um, but yeah, it's all really intended to force the Supreme Court to look at Roe v. Wade again. And uh, if it does, there's a very good chance that Roe v. Wade could be. Uh, reversed. Wow, uh, man, that's to me that sounds impossible. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, part of it is because yeah, because I didn't I didn't know all this before, uh, and it, for me, I was like, oh wow, like there's actually a hope to uh, overturn, uh, you know, this uh, pro-choice movement. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the crazy the crazy thing about uh, Roe versus Wade, I mean, I've context-wise, I mean, I listened to Moeller the briefing, and lately, you know, in the last three, four months, mm -hmm. you know, abortions coming up like once a week, partially yeah. because all these bills are getting passed, proposed yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And I believe I heard it from him, but in the original ruling, the whole 20 weeks thing was intended to be kind of reviewed. Yeah. Right. Cause it was this like, arbitrary line drawn in the sand to go like, okay, this is where we can say, or we're speculating life begins. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it just kind of was like, it's been solidified without any other review. Like if you exactly. actually look at the wording and the way yeah. it was straight, you know, it was almost like the judge was making a conciliation exactly. with the expectation that it wouldn't just stay as is. Exactly. Um, or I shouldn't say the judge, but judges, the yeah. decisions, right? Um, and then that's why I think it was 91 or 92, you had Planned Parenthood versus Casey, 
which was kind of like the a child of Roe v. Wade. But that only, I think, made it more complicated, where I think the main focus on is, well, when the baby's viable, um, you know, which is at roughly 16, 18 weeks. Um, but um, there's no real clear case that says that at this point you can't um, have an abortion. So um, anyway, you know, this uh, this bill is directly challenging that, and we'll see what happens. Um, look, we've been burned in the past by supposedly um, pro-life politicians or judges um, ruling um, the other way. So we hope that this time right. um, the, the new judges will, will do what is right. Okay. Well, so so the, the crazy thing, just I want to jump on a word you just said about the whole viability thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, so I mean, you can anyone wants to find this, just literally Google these words. Lamb born in a lab. And there's an, they basically created an artificial womb to successfully grow a baby sheep. Well, which basically kind of indicates that viability starts, you know, at, at inception. Exactly. Um, you know, yes, there may be complications, difficulty, mm-hmm. you know, things that we say, yep. oh, it might be difficult for the mother, right? Like if the mother's life is at risk. Well, we exactly. have, all, I mean, obviously this is a early, early stages, but you have potential alternatives yeah. to go. We can save both. Yeah. And really viability starts, as you said, when you have life, right? Because the whole point of being human is you're a human you know you're a life because you're a life um so if everyone if a preborn baby is a human life at any point right so you, you don't switch dna's when you become you know when you're so-called viable right um, sorry define viable so viable means that um you can survive outside the womb uh, when you're born even with support from doctors it just means that you have you can actually live okay Okay. So, so an embryo, for example, no matter what, cannot live outside the womb. Has to be right. a pregnant, or right. has to, you know, yeah, has to be in the in the uh, uterus, and, and, right, and grow. Okay, okay. So, Sam, like, what are the implications for Canadians? Like, like what, what can we learn from what we're seeing in the states? Yeah. Um, well, one is we need to be informed. Um, so, for example, many Canadians were upset about the New York bill that was passed a few months ago. The New York bill essentially uh, makes it legal to kill preborn babies at any point during pregnancy. Um, and potentially up to a week after. Exactly. you hear the guy's quote. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite ridiculous. Many Canadians were rightly upset about that. The fascinating thing about that is many of them didn't know that we have the exact same law here. But Whoa. it's actually nationwide. At least in New York, it's simply just New York, the state wow. of New York. I didn't in, know that. In Canada, it's completely legal. I mean, Anywhere. To, to, let's say, steel man the opposition, they would claim that you know anything in third trimester is extremely rare and requires yes. a lot of approval. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it would co- they would say it comes back to essentially saving one life of yeah. two yeah. Um, to, to, to have an abortion at that later stage. Um, but... You know, with the way things with respect to like mental health, you know, being more of a, you could use mental health as a rationale that I, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my life is unviable or, or unsafe. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and uh, my point is to point out that people can abuse, of course, the, 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 you know, the the laws that are in place, even though, yes, it should be rare. And yes, the intention might be Mm -hmm. that we have to worry about saving one of two lives, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, again, just trying to yeah. you know make sure we're not painting the picture improperly. Yeah, yeah. And, and in Canada, though, it's 
um, so the, a lot of um, health, well, a lot of um, abortion clinics have apparently internal um, policies that says that they do not do abortions past five months. The problem is, it still happens. Mm-hmm. An internal policy isn't really, you know, a, a mm-hmm. strong rule, right? It's still really just your own, uh, based on your own subjective thought, uh, thoughts. So in, a, in Quebec, for example, and I don't remember the exact number, um, we learned that um, there are several, several, several cases of hundreds, um, perhaps thousands, um, all across Canada um, where late-term abortions do happen. Wow. Um, so, but but the, but the point, though, is that many Canadians were rightly aware and upset about what was happening in New York, but even in our own nation, we don't have a clue as to what's happening here. Um, so we need to be informed. Secondly, we need to care, right? Um, a lot of Canadians don't vote for pro-life issues or pro-life politicians because we're not informed. We don't know what's happening. In Alabama, they're very aware aware of what's happening. They've been actively Mm -hmm. um, trying to um, introduce pro-life bills in that state for a while, and that's why they've been able to do what what they just did a month ago. But in Canada, we don't vote on pro-life issues. We don't don't keep our supposedly pro-life politicians accountable. Um, That's why even the Conservative Party here they can say we're not going to really revisit that issue for a while. I mean, Andrew Scheer basically said that he's never going to look at the issue at all, period, right? Uh-huh. And he is apparently the most conservative um, politician we have federally in this election, right? So, And he's even saying he won't look at it. So that's where we're at. We have to, you know, um, be informed and care. Um, and also, look, a lot of... Canadians, a lot of particularly Christian Canadians care um, about pre-abortive women, and uh, a lot of us support. Sorry, pre-abortive women. Uh, ma- basically, means women who are considering abortions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, or women who could get abortions, right? Um, so anyway, a lot of us care um, about them, and rightly so, and we support uh, local pregnancy care centers for that reason, and that's fantastic. Um, but we also need to support people like CCBR, uh, my organization. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. I'm saying that because we are actually changing public perception on this issue, right? Uh, the PCC is doing great. They're doing great work. Okay, sorry. Uh, PCC, who's that? That's the um, Pregnancy Care Center. Okay, Pregnancy Care Center, and then your organization's called the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Okay, so then uh, I'm familiar with the Pregnancy Care Center. But what's the difference between your organization and the Pregnancy Care Center? Yeah, the difference is they are, the PCC, uh, they're primarily, um, their main goal is to support and help women who are pre-abortive or post-abortive, right? Women who've had abortions. They offer counseling. uh, They offer um, uh, financial help. um, They... um, Adoption services. Sorry? Adoption services. Exactly, exactly. Um, They also do ultrasounds and pregnancy uh, tests and everything else. So they, they do great work, and that's very, very helpful. They help give women um, other alternatives besides abortion, as uh, Joel just said. That's great, but you still are relying on people coming to you, right? You're relying on people choosing, hopefully, not to go to a hospital or an abortion clinic, but to come to you. And from what I, I remember, I think less than 5% of um, women who are um, who, who get pregnant go to a PCC. Um, and again, I'm, I'm thankful that 
there's about 5% who go, who go there, and that's great. But we also need people who are actually going to these women, going to societies, going to schools, going to um, you know, the public streets and trying to change public perception on this issue. And that's what we do. Uh, we use abortion victim photography, uh, which means that we show people images of babies who've been aborted. Oh. Um, and that's Whoa. difficult to look at. It's hard for me to look at. But when people see that, 70% of them change their minds on abortion. They become more oh, negative. Oh, so it's effective. It's very effective. Oh, boy. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, it's been that way. Go informed ahead. opinion. Exactly. Right? Like, so many people are uninformed. Like, well, I was actually listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about... It was like a mini... It was a podcast for a documentary. I'll, I'll put, that, put it in the show notes page. But the woman was talking about that, like, ultrasounds are so fundamental for people who are considering abortion. Mm-hmm. I think they said, like, 60% of women who have it, who are considering getting an abortion yeah. as soon as they see the ultrasound no yeah because and and it goes in line with what you're saying yeah. right that like as you start to comprehend you know how much this lump of cells actually looks like a human yeah at at you know weeks um you know it's a lot harder to justify the actions that you're considering when you know you're you can't just consider it to be a lump yeah. of cells, and and not not just even look at looking at the preborn baby while they're alive. It's so one of the uh, things that I do that's so effective, and I think it's changed so many minds. I would say perhaps seventy uh, percent of people that have changed their minds through me talking to them has come through this thing I'm going to tell you about, which is we have a pamphlet where in, in the pamphlet you see a seven week old embryo, <clears throat> and the embryo you see, uh, you know, you see the eyes, the hands, the feet. Um, and you see the ears and then the next page i turn to it you see a 10 week old baby but this 10 week old baby you see the hands and everything else but this time the baby's ripped apart and oh. bloody yeah it's 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 hard to look at it's, and whenever i look at it it gets me every time but people see a living human mm-hmm. now 3 weeks later mm-hmm. that living human looks like that Mm-hmm. That's what an abortion looks like, mm-hmm. and and of course, women who are getting abortions, they don't see what's happening. Mm-hmm. They don't see it, but the baby feels it. And when you look at the picture, you will know the baby didn't die peacefully, mm-hmm. right? Of course. Um, but but many people think that's what happens in abortion that the baby doesn't feel anything. No, the, the limbs are ripped apart. You know. Wow. Um, you know. So it's anyway. So yeah, so yeah. so we show people AVP, um, which is abortion victim photography, and then we also use pro-life apologetics to change uh-huh. people's minds in abortion we are a human rights group we tell people uh, we convince people that pre-born babies are living humans who deserve um, the right to live um, so that's the difference between us and um, the PCCs okay okay good that, that that's that's helpful so that like in regards to you know your work in the community uh, and who, who do you do you usually go to high schools middle schools like where do, where do you usually do your work and what's your main audience to turn this thing around um, we go, we go to every everywhere we go to schools churches um, local streets uh, we go everywhere we have several ways of getting the message out there um, we have we have a truth truck uh, where people we have um, some guys who drive. Uh, trucks and on the trucks are um, the images of babies um, who've been aborted. Um, we go to um, schools and we talk to the students about uh, abortion. Um, I, particularly in my job, I go to churches. Well, and I I do talks like the that the March for Life or mm-hmm. um, also 
part, my main role is, uh, well, my main role is to work with churches and to help push the pro-life movement. But I especially am focused on um, going to black churches and black neighborhoods and um, trying to get more uh, black men and black people more passionate and involved in this issue. Um, even though we don't have numbers here like we do in the States in terms of we don't know exactly how many black women are getting abortions, but mm-hmm. we just know based on other factors that it's just as bad um, here as it is in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's one of the things I'm doing. Okay, so why uh, why the why do you... Um focus on the black community and and black men yeah because the thing is because abortion is rampant um, in black communities that means then that black men are not stepping up I've had many talks with black women who said they've had abortions or they were considering having abortions because their boyfriends and husbands were encouraging them to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm convinced that if the majority of black men uh, were to say to their woman that, look, I know it's going to be hard, but I love you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm so dedicated to you and our child that I'm going to stick around and I'm going to protect you and our child. Mm-hmm. I don't see women saying, nah, forget that romantic words. I'm going to go kill the baby. Yeah, right. That, I, I, that's just not how it works. Right. I was I was talking with somebody who worked at the uh, pregnancy care center, and she worked the phone line, and she was just saying, "Yeah, like, like she said, eighty percent of the attempts for abortion are because the men don't want it." Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I shared a meme a little while ago that was like, I don't, I don't remember what the, the the headline like across the top was something about you know how do we fight abortion was like, make men accountable again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense that, and I think, I mean, you know, we could we could devolve into a, a conversation about a fa- about family mm-hmm. um, if we wanted to, but I think there's there's definitely multiple components to to why these these things happen, right? You know, and the, the lack of you know men stepping up and taking responsibility mm-hmm. for their children. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a secondary piece to that where like having kids out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I, I think, you know, um, my biggest thing that I've been wrestling, uh, wrestling is not necessarily the right word, but really thinking through and kind of how do I articulate this is around the idea that we, we like, I think of abortion, you know, um, the, the morning after pill, any sort of, you know, things along those lines, we are teaching, let's say the youth, the young adults uh-huh. to take actions without considering the responsibility that those actions entail Hmm. so like sex period has generally consequences that you are should be responsible for Mm -hmm. and this to me structurally is an aspect of like both parties involved aren't taking responsibility Mm -hmm. and they're escaping their responsibilities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Right, and and part of it is like you know, and I'm sure you you see it, especially as Christians, when we witness about the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and we see conviction hit a person, and you can see it in their eyes. Uh, I find that you know, uh, conversations about abortion it brings that same conviction, yeah. uh, and and you see that same conviction in people's eyes as soon as you start talking about it. Uh, there's a sense of you know some people being uncomfortable, swallowing their spit, uh, you know, looking around. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it definitely makes um, a lot of people uncomfortable. But again, like you said, it's it's necessary, especially for men, um, to you know first of all uh, be uh, selective with the women they lay down with, mm-hmm. um, and and to be responsible for it. And yeah, yeah. See, abortion is the best thing to happen to a lot of black um, men, a lot of white men, a lot of men. Period. Mm-hmm. Because. Think about it. You get to sleep around and do whatever you want. Oh, for sure. Without fear mm-hmm. that you'll, as you're saying, be responsible for a child. So a lot of men say they're feminists, they're pro, they're pro-choice, all of that. No, they're just pro-sex and just mm-hmm. using women and using their bodies, and then saying, "Oh, well, get an abortion because it's your body yeah. after you've used her body for nothing." Yeah. Than just sex. Yeah, my mom. My mom says, you know, it's the girl's baby and the guy's maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where yo, you yeah. gotta um, be up on that and and, and pay attention. Uh, and yeah. you know, and I guess you're, you're right, man. That, that that would be that would be such a huge movement to uh, you know rally the men to to be men and, and to love women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because maybe like even the feminists, you know, would. Yeah, I, I don't know what their response would be uh, to that in regards to, but I, I I don't I don't think you could beat that apologetic of men wanting to love a woman, and to be responsible, uh, for the 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 life that they bring into the world. Like you you can't. There's no political argument against mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and I think that's the best witness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that so yeah, so that that's really good work. But um, I would also ask, um, you know. You know, you're known for, you know, your controversial views, um, you know, socially. Me? No. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? In regards to, you know, uh, you know, social justice movement and, and your views on the black community. Um, yeah. And it's well documented in, in your blog posts and your viral blog posts and so forth. Uh, so uh, just kind of asking a question. Is, is abortion a social justice movement? Would you say that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. Because um, social justice is primarily about stripping equality of opportunity and human rights from individuals to establish special privileges um, and equality of outcome to a preferred group. And in this case, it would be to women. All right? Um, look, that's actually what pro-abortion people want. Um, they want to strip away a baby's right to live they want to strip away human rights from the preborn babies and give it and give special privileges to to women. Um, so pro-abortion people are actually um, pro-social justice proponents. Pro-life people like myself, however, are human rights advocates who affirm that all humans deserve the right to live. Uh, so no, um, those are actually directly. Um, contradictory ideas um i'm a human rights advocate i'm not a social justice advocate if i was i'd be actually pushing um pro-abortion ideas oh so social justice would be pro-abortion yes and sorry yeah. walk walk me through that that logic so well he doesn't really know i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no so so uh plant parenthood um and many other pro-abortion groups rightly call themselves a social justice group because if you look at how people understand social justice it's not about individual 
rights. It's about giving a collective group special privileges, right? So that's not what we're about. We're not about trying to eliminate disparities and to get rid of individual liberty. We're actually trying to basically affirm human rights for all, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at how the social justice ideas were pushed, it was really as a way to say that, no, human rights isn't the way to achieve justice. Mm -hmm. It's actually to just ignore the individual and focus on what's best for the whole collective, Mm -hmm. which includes then having to punish certain people and remove their individual rights to affirm a group's special privilege. Okay. Okay, no, okay, that's helpful. Uh, Yeah. So, like... Another curveball, because uh, I'm assuming. Sorry, I'm, I'm treating you like the pro-life specialist. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, kind of like stump. stump, stump. He's stump. done all. He's done all the research. To prepare <laughs> for all the questions. Feels, I wouldn't say you know all, but, no, let's but go with. it feels like it feels like stump the Schwab, <laughs> right? Uh, so my question would be for Christians who can't have kids, is, <laughs> is in vitro. Like, what's your view with, with Christians not being able to have kids in, in in vitro? Uh, so, for those who don't know, I get the controversy with the in vitro is that um, you're making the um, eggs to see which one is possible to put in the woman to fer- to be fertilized, uh, and then for with the ones that they're not using, they terminate, which is a yeah. life. So, so how do you handle that if you're on the street and you're uh, dealing with people I'm gonna drink some water again before I answer this question he's got a long one coming actually uh, just oh, to mention Moeller this morning on the oh. so today's uh, Tuesday this is coming out on Friday so earlier this week Moeller <laughs> put it out uh, he referenced his own content when in vitro was first introduced that basically he, interesting he basically was saying that. Don't say it. Don't say it. Okay. okay. I want to know. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. You, I'll I'll uh, I'll come back and later on. Talk. Yeah. Let I'll, me know I'll whether firm or deny yes. your position. Yes. But but I'm assuming it's. Uh, yeah. Because if he disagrees with me, then he's wrong. Um, no. um, I think I already know what he was. I, I think I know. But okay. So, in vitro fertilization in of itself isn't wrong, right? It's in of itself not wrong, because. The parent, the couple, or the mother is not actively killing a baby if they are getting in vitro fertilization. However, as you said, it naturally tends to inevitably lead to embryos being left behind, not simply to be to be killed and destroyed when they're no longer of you know useful to the doctor and the mother. But oftentimes, they're left frozen in a lab for years. That's not right either. So unless a couple or a mother can ensure that if they go through that process, Mm -hmm. unless they say that we're not going to leave any embryo behind or destroyed, unless they say that, then I think then it's okay. Sorry, leave no embryo behind. So okay, so here's let me let me break it down just for uh, for you. Okay, and, yeah, and exactly. I don't understand. So, I don't understand. so the idea being, you would you know fertilize fifteen twenty eggs. Yeah, you kind of you know I don't want to say they diagnostic, but to some extent they'd probably evaluate which ones are the most viable, mm-hmm. and then they would implant let's say five. The, honestly, when you do in vitro, there's a high probability of having twins. Okay. Because you're putting multiple fertilized eggs in, uh-huh. and but part of the reason is because 
the couple has been having difficulty having one egg implant in, in the uterus. Okay. So the idea is to kind of up the ante through medical innovation. Mm-hmm. And, and his point is, unless they're saying you're going to fertilize five and implant all five, you, there is some inconsistency with being pro-life and taking in vitro where no la- no egg is left where sorry where an egg is left behind mm-hmm. whether frozen terminated whatever and by egg you mean a fertilized, fertilized egg. egg yeah yes sorry yeah. so fertilized eggs you know essentially are the same concept with pro life is at conception yep right and so yep. in vitro potentially circumvents that and and Moeller is completely in agreement to your position okay, he's a very wise man then yes. if he didn't agree with me then then i would chances that. are your research came across the like i think he was co-author on on content and i think oh, there was okay. a number of christians when when in vitro yeah. first came out that he said he was one that wrote a chapter on it okay. kind of putting together okay i read so much i don't remember what yeah. i've read and whom i read it from so <laughs> yeah okay right. no that's very interesting uh because yeah in vitro is one of those controversial points where where it leaves a lot of christians confused uh, I, I know that it's, it's very big uh, in the gay community hmm. uh, t- yeah. to use in vitro uh, to have children uh and i remember i was listening to uh interview with joe boot and and the guy asked joe boot about in vitro and you know gays using it and and Joe Boot said, "Well, he's like, first of all, in vitro is very expensive, and it costs and it yes. costs us a lot of money." Yeah. <laughs> and then Joe Boot said, what, "What? What is it? My business? You can't have a kid. My neighbor can't have a kid. Like, what? What is it? My business? Why yeah. is that my concern or my responsibility yeah. that you can't have a kid? That I should fund it?" Hmm. They're like, and he says, "You know, in regards to homosexuals, well, uh, well, if you guys are really concerned about children and family, then you guys would adopt and not do a vitro." But he says it's not about family hmm. for them. Essentially, that you know that that was his argument, and I was just like, "Whoa, you know, um, hmm. well, you know, draw, drawing that line that way." Hmm. And well, Joe Boot is a very, very uh, wise, brilliant man. So, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah, no, I, I just I just thought it was an interesting apologetic in yeah. regards to that argument where they're like, "Okay, well, you know, well, if it's all about you know family, um, why not adopt?" Because there's a lot of kids who need a home. Yes. Yeah. And I try to be careful with this because, look, there are many women, uh, many couples who obviously want to have a, a, you know, their own child. And um, it, that's, that's, that's good. Um, but at the same time, yes, are you willing to let a lot of your own children, right? Because remember, we, those embryos aren't just some random embryos yeah these are your children mm-hmm. are you willing to let your children you know just be frozen in a lab somewhere and be destroyed you know uh, are you willing to ignore adoption um so that you will do anything you need to, anything you need to do including allowing other children to die potentially mm-hmm. um so you can get pregnant because um, the whole point of if the whole point of being a mother and a father it's because we love children. Then why allow so many other children to die so that that could happen? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. Last time you were so, on the show, well, well, hold on. I would just uh, wanna for the listener. I'm assuming your endorsement of Joe Boot was in specific to his comment, not in general endorsement of the man. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm just being silly, but no, like I'm sure you'd have plenty of area for disagreement. I mean, I, I do, compl- I do endorse him, but we do disagree with uh, certain things. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I just thought, like, well, though, I'm curious now. I'm not... No, I like, I mean, I wouldn't be able to pull off certain things okay. at, the, at the moment, but yeah, um, I just know, I, I know personally, there's been some things I'm like, oh yeah, I don't agree with you, I don't agree, but okay. the way you were like, oh, Joe Boot is a wise man. I, okay, it was so I'm, I'm, to I'm that. assuming you mean political. Uh, <laughs> yes. That I'm a libertarian and he's not definitely. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're on the same page. Then, yeah, so. yeah, but but I would say. 90% of the time on anything else we would all agree yeah well, well um, Joe Boot <laughs> Joe Boot makes me laugh man <laughs> in that uh, you know he's consistent and he draws hard lines yeah and for me like as a learner it's helpful to hear people who draw hard lines so I could be like oh okay that's clear yeah. and when I mean a hard line yeah. I mean he's just very clear like look yeah. man we're not rolling with this we're not doing this we're yeah. not doing this and this is what we're about yeah um, and so yeah. and uh, I'm reading his book, the, the Mission of God, and I don't agree with everything, um, mm-hmm. considering my views theologically and um, politically. But it, it's he's a very 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 um, smart man, and uh, he actually oh, I had the pleasure of uh, writing writing um, for Ez- you know for Ezra yeah Ezra yeah Ezra Ezra solid I love it yeah Ezra. yeah for the Jubilee uh, Journal so yeah so we don't we don't agree on everything but yeah, yeah he's a solid. So, yeah, I, I, you know, my my position is that I generally disagree. Would probably be where he's uh, maybe a little too pro military. I'm staying yeah. out of this one. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, just uh, yeah. Well, sidebar. Knows? Let's get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So last time you were on the show, you taught you made an interesting statement about um, North Korea and China. So on your on your blog post, you you wrote uh, between the three nations without any restrictions on abortion. Two of the nations are communist countries, and the other is Canada. North Korea and China are the only nations in the entire world with comparable positions on abortion. So my question, and you said that uh, the last time you were on the show, um, and you just you kind of mentioned it in passing, but you know, I'm just curious in regards to so why what is why is the where is the ideological correlation in regards to you know Canada. And then two communist countries yeah. have something in common. Like, what do you think is the yeah. ideology root for yeah. why ca- Canadians are thinking like communists? I guess. Yeah. Well, being a libertarian, I'm not a big fan of how progressive Canada is. Although I hate the term progressive because um, it's actually I think we're actually regressive in many ways, uh, especially concerning um, just how big you know how big of a government we are and how the government is involved in everything mm-hmm. and uh, obviously um, our pro-abortion um, leanings as a country but I think I didn't mean to suggest that there is an ideological um, similarity between the two communist nations in Canada mm-hmm. um, because they their their laws are a reflection of their communist um, beliefs mm-hmm. with us our laws are our zero law on abortion I mean is actually not a reflection necessarily of our progressive leanings because even progressive nations in Europe have limits to an abortion right, right? nations who are more quote unquote progressive than we are um, we don't have a law on abortion because of I think unfortunate events in Canadian history 
and not so much events, uh, not, not so much our ideology. Um, the, the reason why we don't have a law in Canada is because um, a, a law on abortion in Canada or any, any restrictions on abortion is because about 30 years ago, uh, Brian Mulroney, who was our prime minister at the time, he actually introduced um, a bill that would have, um, I think, banned abortions passed sometime in the um, second trimester. Um, but some pro-life groups uh, unfortunately thought that wasn't enough. Um, some of these pro-life groups were saying, nope, either you ban everything or nothing. And they were actually threatening um, pro-life politicians, um, not with physical violence, just their careers, basically, um, that if you support this, you know, we're not going to support you, and it'd be basically political suicide. So Brian Mulroney then said, wait a minute, if I introduce these laws, I'm losing a lot of pro-life support and obviously pro-choice support so he didn't go forward with it he just he, he just that was it and since then no other prime minister in canada has ever even considered looking at the law uh and trying to introduce some kind of really law. yeah so in a sad way very very sad some small but at the time influential fragments um of the pro-life movement is one of the reasons why uh, we don't have uh, an abortion. Uh, sorry, we, we don't have uh, a law to restrict abortion in Canada. So I don't think it's so much because of our ideolog ideological views. It's because of um, some really some people's hatred um, for the idea that we need to slowly chip away at some of these laws when we can. Obviously, if if there's a, if there's a condition in Canada, if there's a perception in the society that says, look, we are okay with supporting um, banning abortion completely let's go for it but we need to be also as um you know as cunning as serpents and to figure out okay what's the best way to push our goal our girls uh, forward and at the time unfortunately the pro-life movement or some within a pro-life movement failed hmm. no okay that that's man sam you know your stuff man no, well, <laughs> well i mean if you if you listen to some people talk about you know the heartbeat bills the heartbeat bills the um you know, in, in the U.S., you know, I was listening to, I think probably cross-politic is what I was listening to. Just, you know, there's a level of criticism that those bills don't go far enough. Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's an interesting conversation around, you know, taking incremental steps and being satisfied with, with you know, something that cuts back, yeah. let's say, the time frame of when abortion is available um, versus all or nothing. Mm -hmm. and And so... You know, I, I personally, I think the all or nothing approach is, is bad. I mean, you know, me, Sam, being in agreement with respect to libertarianism, my attitude isn't let's blow it up and start from, you know, a laissez-faire minimal government. It's get there incrementally, pull back the amount of spending, you know, in a manner that people can transition as opposed to just simply blowing things up. And so um, I would say the same thing mm -hmm. in, in this regard. Obviously, it's a little bit different, and, and if for some reason Canada changed its tune and was willing to adopt an all-or-nothing, obviously I wouldn't say don't, um, but there's an aspect where, you know, in my mind, I'm like, it just boggles my mind that, that these groups would be, you know, all-or-nothing mm -hmm. and, and not be willing to take a win that at least creates some restrictions and takes us out of the, mm -hmm. the class of uh, two other communist mm -hmm. countries. You know, and, and honestly, this is why, you know, um, I plead with people who are pro-life to support the right groups. Um, look, 99.9% .9 of pro-life 
organizations are great, um, but not everyone is as effective, right? Um, the key word for CCBR, uh, my organization, um, um, the key word that we use all the time is effective. We, all of our arguments um, are effective. Um, all of our strategies, including AVP, abortion victim photography, it's effective. The key word that we focus on is effective, right? Um, because that will actually lead to change. Um, so we plead with people to support us, um, you know, because, um, look, again, we would be, we would very happily um, ban abortions completely. Look, I'm not completely satisfied with the bill in uh, Alabama. Uh, I'm not from Alabama, obviously, but um, I don't believe that, you know, look, so there's a, a Dublin Declaration, um, which is over a thousand medical professionals saying that there's actually never, ever, ever a case where you have to kill uh, the baby to save the mom. Um, many people don't, don't know that, but it's actually, it's because when a baby... That's usually the argue, main argument that people use. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but the thing is, it's a myth, right? Because when a baby, um, when, when a pregnancy um, threatens the mom's health, at that point, the baby's already viable. It's usually within five, six, seven months into the pregnancy. And by that point, you can simply induce labor, right? So that's why these doctors said you never have to kill a baby to save the mom. So the, the bill in Alabama actually falls short on, the, on, on, you know, on, on that basis. Also, the idea that it's okay to kill a baby if they're going to die shortly after they're born, as the bill says is okay, that's not right either. Because then you are measuring the value of life, right? right? Uh, as Christians, we know that the Bible says that um, God forms the baby. You know, it's God who forms the baby. Mm -hmm. We have zero right to then rip that baby apart. We, have, we don't have any reason, any right to do so. God is the one that gives that life. We cannot take that life away, no matter what. Um, and really... If we say, well, if the baby's going to die after a year, we can kill it. Then why not say, well, what if the baby will die after 50 years? What's the difference? How do you measure 50 years as being, well, long enough, right. but one year isn't? Mm -hmm. Who measures that? It's, it's very subjective, right? A life is a life. That's a life. Mm -hmm. So I don't agree with the exceptions in the Alabama bill, mm -hmm. but I know it's still the most restrictive abortion bill in Canada, sorry, in, 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 the, in the world, right? At least in the West, right? And consider, even though it doesn't go far, even though it's not the best, well, sorry, even though it's not uh, perfect, consider the controversy that it actually caused. And we hope that, again, the whole intention is that it will reverse Roe v. Wade, and then hopefully then you will have actually uh, bills and pro-life bills that will protect all babies and not just most or some. Well, and, uh, you know, it's crazy, like, with respect to what you're saying about mothers, you know, inducing labor uh, and looking at viability at that point, right? There's a, um, there's a, something I shared not that long ago. The headline was, born at 21 weeks, most premature baby is thriving. So 21, mm -hmm. which is literally a week after Roe v. Wade, yep. they've had a premature baby born and survive. So in general, you know, this is a conversation Jenna and I had right with respect to our kids like okay so what happens you know I, it sounds like you're you're pointing out the fact that it's not a true pair or a, not a true dilemma we would have been in but like you know 
if we get to the place where they're saying, you know, your life's at risk, if you continue to carry the baby, what are you going to do? And, and, you know, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but for, for Christians, there's an aspect where I'm going to trust God, you know? And so if you don't have that faith, I can understand you're in a little different dilemma than, than those who, you know, believe in eternal life and, and, yeah. and things be this life is not my home. You know, this world is just the beginning. Absolutely. Um, it's a little, I can understand that it's a yeah. little easier to make a decision to say, I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's based on the way that, the, you know, the, the, the quality of medical care we get in yeah. heroic, what I, what they're called heroic scenarios, right? Like someone breaks an arm, gets a finger cut off. You know, our medical system is amazing, yeah. right? The ability to preserve life on the brink of death, i.e., you know, giving birth and things mm-hmm. go on. You know, the fact my wife can take an epidural and largely give birth with minimal pain as opposed to, you know, the curse of woman um, and actually have to, to give birth in severe pain um, is, is a medical phenomenon. You know, that's, that's a blessing, but at the same time, you know, I think we're a little bit ignorant to think, oh, the, there is this dilemma that the woman might have to sacrifice yeah. her life to, to save the baby. Um, especially, you know, maybe 200 years ago yeah. as opposed to today. Mm-hmm. And God's word is perfect. God's word is always right, but doctors can be wrong. And I've seen that time after time. Uh, I spoke to a uh, a high school student last year who told me that uh, he was actually originally uh, pro-choice he was arguing that no it's okay to kill it's okay to kill um it's, it's okay to kill pre-born babies if they are a threat to the to the mom's health but then later on he actually remembered that wait a minute like, uh, actually my mom told me a few years ago that the doctor said that i would die if i allow you to be born and then he had an epiphany saying, well, wait a minute, they were wrong. My mom was able to just carry me and, and afterward she gave birth to me and we're both okay. Yeah. So doctors can be wrong. Doctors, you know, many, many of them are great, but um, even some great doctors get things wrong. Um, and again, these a thousand, uh, over a thousand medical professionals are saying that, you, again, and it's true, you never, ever have to kill a baby to save the mom. You can always induce uh, labor. Yeah, I mean, in, in essence, you're you're putting the baby in a higher risk of death situation um, because inducing labor, like this scenario I gave you with the 21 weeks, obviously, I well, maybe not obviously, there's a potential that was an induced labor, but mm-hmm. there's also potential it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know that when, when a baby's born, I think it's really like four, once it's four weeks out, from mm-hmm. the due date, you're really not that much risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, that's where they have a little mm-hmm. more concern. Mm-hmm. But, you know, inducing labor to a risky situation is a lot like more likely of two people living than saying, oh, there's a risk to the mother, so we're going to abort. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you can, as you pointed out, you induce labor, and now you're in a scenario where, yeah, there's risk, mm-hmm. but you're taking a calculated risk to preserve two lives yep. as opposed to just defaulting. Exactly. To, and, you know, along those lines, it's like, you know, we kind of moved away from this, but I wanted to make the point, like, so many people talk about, you know, you go to things like Planned Parenthood and, and you know, abortion operations, mm-hmm. they're not really presented with alternatives, mm-hmm. really. They're they're pushing abortion. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as, you know, people want to be pro, uh, pro-choice, I think if you really understood 
you know, the, the abortion business that's actually going on, you'd be disgusted Yeah. because, you know, for a woman to be given all the options laid out in front of her, you know, the, it's like, why do these Christian organizations, whether, uh, I think there's one in Hamilton called Atwell, you know, you guys were talking about the pregnancy care center, mm-hmm. you know, why do they have an, a business? Why do they actually can exist? It's because there's a lack of let's, you know, care outside of abortion, mm-hmm. right? Like when, when a woman is struggling with her, you know, um, being pregnant and not, you know, whether there's single, you know, she's going to be single and all, you know, all those things that the controversy that, that you know, the brain aspect of like just, you know, analyzing everything and everything's running through their head. You know, you go to a scenario and it's like, okay, I can take all your pain away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, let's engage, let's help you. Let's yeah. help you make the right decision for you. Mm-hmm. And not to say that I'd be pro a scenario like that where they're, you know, still giving abortion. But that's a drastic, like, I feel like that's the world that they're tr- the pro-choice side is trying to paint when mm-hmm. it's so not the reality. Yep. Um, and that, that to me is what bothers me about the, pro, the pro-choice the pro side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would, as much as I, you know, last time you were here, I said, you know, for people who don't view sanctity of life the way that we do, mm-hmm. I can, I can be a little bit more comprehending that you can logically come to the conclusion of, oh, I'm willing to take a life. Mm-hmm. For for Christians, I, I I just can't comprehend. If anyone's mm-hmm. pro-choice and they're Christian, I'm like I don't I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, going back to the idea that like, sure, you want to be pro-choice. I disagree with you. I'm going to argue with you, adamantly. But, you know, if you really comprehend the scenario that you're you're, what, the application of what you're arguing for looks like, it's pretty disgusting mm-hmm. in my opinion. Absolutely. So Sam, how can how can we support your work? Yeah, um, so there are two ways uh, people can support. Um, so I'm I'm in the middle of fundraising for my own salary. Um, people can, if they desire to, um, contact me um, either Facebook Samuel Say. Just look for the handsome uh, black man there. The Samuel Say they'll find me, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> or. Uh, just uh, comment, just um, you know, just mention me on Twitter, or um, much easier way is to email me at slow to write at gmail dot com, um, and I'll be happy to um, you know reply to them and hopefully have them be a phone call or just email each other back and forth, and then uh, they can support me that way. Or also, they don't have to support me directly; uh, they can just support CCBR as a whole. They can just support. Um, you know, CCBRs and just everybody. Um, there we have about twenty staff members across Canada, right? And um, we're all just trying to go to you know all over Ontario and um, BC and Edmonton, trying to uh, advance the pro-life movement in Canada. We want what's happening in the states to happen here too, um, so they can support CCBR as a whole. And also, there's also great groups um, like right now. So CCBR, what we do is we're trying to change public perception on abortion. Right. Then you have a group called Right Now. They're trying to change local elections, and they have done so in the past, where they're trying to um, get pro-life politicians in um, in the political uh, world. And you also have a group called We Need a Law, who are trying to introduce a law uh, with the help mm-hmm. of what we've done to establish. Um, I think we, we, we're changing minds. We're changing sorry public perception we're also partnering with right now as i said who are changing 
elections to elect politicians and right. the three of us and other groups are doing a lot, of, a lot of good work so support right now as well to support we need a law um you know just sign up with you know, to the newsletters and just see what's happening here in canada uh, we need people who agree that abortion should be unthinkable to really get behind us if they can't support us financially pray for us um come out to our march for life um and hopefully next year or two in toronto may um so, yeah, just we just need people to support us in any way they can. Um, so yeah, no, no, I, you're doing a good work, man. Uh, you're like the, you know, Malcolm X out here of, Ma- not pro not, not Malcolm X, not man. brother Malcolm. Don't, no, no, not I'm not bro- a fan of Malcolm okay. X, man. Get your I, hand out my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan of Malcolm X. Uh, no, no. <laughs> right. But, uh, no, well, I mean, you know, when I think pro life, I think. I think you because I've seen all the work you're doing and um, you being out there uh, doing the work and, and a lot of people are seeing the work you're doing and even just you answering the questions um, that that well, that I had um, it shows to me that you really know what you're doing and you're really passionate about this so please uh, listeners um, yeah support support the work of the pro life uh, through this brother uh, he's doing a, a really good work so uh, thanks for coming on the show Sam uh, and yeah we'll definitely be praying. Um, for the success of your work. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. We'll make sure to have, uh, you know, the links in the show notes page. I mean, you know, I've, I've already went to the like donate page on uh, CCBR's website. Basically you can pick your name and drop down. Well, so you're, you're humble, but, uh, you're Joel supporting me last summer during my internship. And I oh, really yeah, appreciate yeah. Yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. So I'm only, don't worry. I'm not trying to compliment you. I'm trying to shame. I'm trying to shame this guy right here. <laughs> this guy, this guy didn't so do nothing. So <laughs> so you didn't do nothing, man. <laughs> huh? Clearly, you don't care about babies, do you? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Shots fired. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Shots yeah, but no. Th- thank you, Sam. And uh, yeah, man, guys, please uh, support Sam and his work. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you. It's an honor, man. Uh,